This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Whenever you get to Paul's greeting, when he mentions grace and peace, you'll always find that order. You always find grace, then you find peace. It's always in that order. Every greeting that Paul gives is grace and peace. They call the Siamese twins in the gospel, grace and peace. You'll never have peace and grace. Peace can never come before grace. And again, this is theological, and I explain why. Because you'll never have peace until you receive the grace of God. We all know how following instructions work. You can't bake bread unless you let it rise first. You can't put siding on a house until it's been built. Today, Pastor Eddie reminds us that grace and peace are always listed in this order. Because you must first have grace in order to have peace. If you don't understand the grace of God, then you'll never feel His peace. The world doesn't know true peace because most people have never experienced God's grace. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he begins his message, God's Final Judgment and His Glory. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes, Paul, Sabanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all about towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Because our testimony among you was believed, therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. 
Before we begin, as we do with every book, we give you a little background of who, what, when, where, and why. And so I'd like to give you that background with 2 Thessalonians. Now, if you've been with us, with our introduction of 1 Thessalonians, it's pretty much the same. The same place, same authors, the recipients are the same. However, the why part of this background of this letter is different, and we'll get to that in a bit. So we begin with the who. Who wrote this letter? Obviously, it'll be Paul. We studied the first letter, and it begins with Paul in verse 1, chapter 1. The recipients are the believers in Thessalonica. Uh, They were the believers, and they were the ones that Paul is writing this letter to. The background, we find that in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, and verses 1 through 14, you'll find the background of 1 Thessalonians and 2. Thessalonians. The church of the Thessalonians was birthed out of Paul's ministry. It was during Paul's second missionary journey that he made it to Thessalonica, and he was only there for three weeks, three Sabbaths. Uh, Didn't have enough time to disciple them, to teach them. Thus, we have two letters that Paul continued to uh, encourage them with these two letters. And it was around that time when Paul went to Thessalonica, which is Macedonia, um, and it was around 49 to 50 AD. And obviously, this, this church was birthed out of his ministry. However, because there was an angry mob that was out for him that was following Paul, and they continued to follow Paul, as a matter of fact, even after he left Thessalonica, but also there was a warrant out for his arrest. Uh, And so Paul had to flee for safety. Now, when did Paul write this letter? When he made it to Corinth, around 50 or 51 AD, he put pen to Pyrus. And many scholars believe that the time between his first letter and his second letter to the Thessalonians is about a year, a year's gap. So within a year later, he wrote his second letter to the Thessalonians. Now, why did Paul write this letter? And this is what makes this letter different from the first. It's because when Timothy had revisited the second time, they had another concern. The first concern that the Thessalonians had is that they believed that those who had died in Christ, died in faith, that they would miss the rapture of Christ. And Paul made it clear to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, he says to them in his first letter, he said, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's their body. Their souls are with God, but we're talking about their bodies. And the dead in Christ will rise the first. Then we, that's you and I, who are alive and remain, we shall be caught up. The two words caught up is the word raptiso, which is in the land to be, and we call it, we say rapture. Caught up, the Greek word for caught up is harparzo, one word. And he said, we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And obviously, to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. Our souls, once we die in Christ before the rapture, our souls will be directly with Christ. As soon as you die, you'll be in the presence of the Lord. But your body, the remains. And if, again, we talked about those that want to be buried, those that want to be cremated, the Bible doesn't speak for or against either one of those things. If you're cremated, it's not a sin. You're just speeding up the process of what would take probably 30 years. It'll take maybe an hour, 30 minutes. It doesn't really matter. God knows how to put the body together. You were formed from the dust in the, anyway, right? So it really doesn't matter. The bodies will be caught up. Now, this time, 
The second letter, the reason for the second letter is that they had another concern. Okay, Paul made it clear about the rapture. He made it clear about the day of the Lord. We're not, when it comes to the, that phrase, the day of the Lord, mentioned 32 times in the Bible, it is speaking of God's judgment. It's speaking about the great tribulation spoken of in the book of Revelation from chapter 6 through 9. But their concern was this. Because the persecution had intensified, it gotten worse. They were being persecuted more than they were the first time. Um, they felt that they were going through the great tribulation. Christ hasn't come. Here's a year later. We still haven't seen Christ come. And we're suffering even more. So they thought, well, if we're suffering more now, we're probably going through the great tribulation. The great tribulation is going to be like nothing that's ever happened in this world, nor ever will be, Jesus says. So what we see today with the earthquakes, floodings, fires, and all the lawlessness, let me tell you, that's nothing compared to the judgment of God. When you read Revelation chapter 6 to 19, you see the great tribulation, you're going to find that everything that happens in this world, you wouldn't even recognize the map. You wouldn't recognize the map. Your GPS wouldn't know what to get from point A to point B because the world is going to be so devastated by the judgment of God, and that's the day of the Lord. And so Paul writes in his letter in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he's going to make that clarity. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be so soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. It has not come yet. So don't worry about it. And that's the reason why Paul's writing this letter. And this is an encouragement for us today, because no matter how bad things get, no matter how much we are persecuted, and again, we have no idea here in the West, in America, what persecution is for Christians. We have no idea. We never live not even an ounce of what our brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted around the world in third world countries and other communist countries like China. We don't know what persecution is. But nonetheless, no matter how bad it gets, one thing we need to understand is that Jesus Christ is with us, number one. And number two, the, the word promised us that we would be raptured, caught up to be in the presence of God. And that's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, he says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, the persecution never hurt the church. Persecution never hurt the church. If you studied church history, from the day it was birthed out in the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts till now, persecution never hurt the church. It never killed the church. Here we are 2,000 years later. In fact, when the church is being persecuted, you find that the church grows in number. We see that happen with the children of Israel in Egypt when they were in bondage for 400 years. They started to multiply. They started to grow. This is long before Joseph was gone. Uh, the Pharaoh of that time, he ordered that every male Hebrew child be thrown into the crocodile-infested river because they were multiplying. They were being persecuted. They were used as slaves for 400 years. But guess what? They grew in number. 
The church in the book of Acts, when they started to gather, remember Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, now, wait in Judea until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then, once he comes upon you, you shall share the gospel throughout Judea, Samaria, and through the ends of the world. The problem was, is that they had their own community of Christians. What happened? The persecution began. And they started to disperse around the world, and now the gospel is being preached around the world. So persecution never, never, ever, ever will destroy the church. Mark my words, because it's not really my words, it's the Bible. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if he's building it, who's going to knock it down? Who's going to go against it? Who can destroy it? So here we are 2,000 years later. We're still growing. And if you look into our persecuted Christians out in Sudan, out in, in some Muslim nations, countries, and China, you find that they're growing tremendously. And so it never will destroy the church. But it's interesting, the concern that the Thessalonians had about going through the tribulation is, is happening today. They're Christians believing that we're going to go through the persecution that we're going to go through the great tribulation. Anything that happens in the news, oh, this is what's happening in the world. This is what the Bible's been saying. You have no idea. See, I can understand that the early church did not have any clarity about the rapture, the day of the Lord. I can understand they didn't because they didn't have the New Testament. It was just being written. As a matter of fact, First and Second Thessalonians are one of the first Letters written by the Apostle Paul compared to all two-thirds of the New Testament that he wrote. They didn't have the Bible. So I can understand the early church not understanding end times. What I don't understand is the church today. We have the New Testament. We have the Bible, the complete scripture. We have it in every color, every translation, every language. We have it in every shape and size. We have it on our apps and our phone. And yet, we are ignorant when it comes to the end times, the coming of the Lord. And we should not be. And it's obvious because Christians are not studying. They're not studying their Bibles, nor the churches are teaching it. Because it's not a popular conversation. It's not a popular topic to talk about, oh yeah, doomsday. No, they want to tickle the ear. And Timothy tells us that in the last days, they're going to do away with sound doctrine, and they're going to want their ears tickled. They want that feel-good message. They want that guy with the million-dollar smile and the great three-piece suit and starts out, I would like to start out with a joke. <laughs> and at the end, here's a, my book of the 10 Steps to Better You. Everything to make you feel good. But when it comes to the coming of the Lord and judgment, it's not a good topic to speak about. So the same thing which took place with the church of the Thessalonians, again, I couldn't understand. They did not have the, the whole New Testament. They didn't have all the Bible. We have it today. And so this is what this letter is about, to let us know, hey, listen, there's a few things we need to talk about, and some things Paul had to reiterate in his second letter. So here's the outline for you students who are taking notes. Here's the outline of 2 Thessalonians chapter outline. Chapter 1 is going to deal with the hope despite of persecution. They're being persecuted. They think they're in the great tribulation. Paul's going to confirm that and say, no, 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 you're not. 
uh, chapter number two is going to bring correction concerning the day of the Lord. He touched on it in his first letter, but he needs to make it clear because, again, they believe they're going through the great tribulation, which is the day of the Lord. And then chapter three corrects those who are idle, those who are disorderly, those who do not work. They're still there and taking advantage of the other brothers uh, who, are, who are working and waiting for the Lord. Now, the key verses is chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. And for time's sake, you could read that for homework, but we'll get to it. The theme is, it has to do with the hope of Christ's return, that it will encourage us in our suffering and motivates us to live responsibly for him. That's the theme of this letter. And so let us begin our study. And here we're going to study chapter 1. We're going to study chapter 1 in verses 1 and 2. We're going to read Paul's greeting to the Thessalonians. Verses 3 and 4, we're going to look at the thanksgiving for their faith. And verses 5 through 12, the judgment at Christ's coming. And so we read our text. We had an introduction. Now let us study our text verse by verse. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. It begins with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul was his name after conversion, but before conversion, his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He was known of Saul, but from Tarsus. And he himself was a persecutor of the Christians. Imagine, one who persecuted the church is now encouraging the church who's being persecuted. Only God has a sense of humor. Only God could change lives. But before, uh, you know, his name was Saul of Tarsus, he changed his name to Paul. And Paul, his name means little, little. That's what Paul means, little. And he considers himself little in Christ. He humbled himself. And then we have Salvanius. Salvanius is the Roman name. However, you know it, a Semitic name is Silas. And his name means Woody. So we got a guy named Woody. Hey, Woody, how are you doing? It's Woody. That's what it means, Woody. But anyway, Timothy is the next one. Timothy means honoring God, honoring God. And so Paul, Salvanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul's typical salutation, his typical greeting in most of his letters, uh, not all of his letters. But you'll find that this greeting that we find, grace and peace, you'll always find it only with Paul. Paul, as a matter of fact, came up with this greeting. This wasn't a greeting uh, people greeted each other during Paul's day. And Paul was the one that created this greeting because it's theological. The greeting is theological, biblically. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But in those days, the word grace means charis. And, of course, the word peace in the Hebrew means shalom. So he's actually catering to both Jews and Gentiles. And he kind of combined the Jewish and, and Greek greeting and created a greeting because it points to the Lord. It points to God. And he's the one that came up with this greeting. Carries, it means, is mentioned 155 times in the New Testament. It means unmerited favor, undeserving, unearning favor. In other words, the Greeks, only the Greeks, they would greet each other and say, Charis, meaning may you have a day better than you deserve. May today be a day for you better than you deserve. That's how the Greeks greeted one another. And now, grace for you and I, when we think about grace, and it's a good thing that we think about it differently than the Greeks did, we think about it, we think of grace, we think of Christ. 
Christ. When you think about grace, you think about God, you think about his amazing grace. Because do we deserve eternal life? No, we do not. Have we done anything to earn eternal life? We did nothing. And so Jesus was the only one who took our place at Calvary's cross and paid for all our sins. And we are saved by, not by works, by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul writes this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We have this grace. We have this unmerited, undeserving, unearned favor in Christ Jesus. We've done nothing for life. We've done nothing for eternal life. And then grace, there's peace. And in the Hebrews would say, shalom, even to this day. They greet one another, say shalom, and they will start saying bye, they'll say shalom again. So it's a Hebrew word. In the Greek, it is, it's irene, and it's mentioned 92 times. And it means rest. It means safety. It's something that we can only get from God. And now, it is important for you students who take down notes to understand this, that whenever you get to Paul's greeting, when he mentions grace and peace, you'll always find that order. you always find grace. Then you find peace. It's always in that order. Every greeting that Paul gives is grace and peace. They call the Siamese twins in the gospel, grace and peace. You'll never have peace and grace. Peace can never come before grace. And again, this is theological, and I explain why. Because you'll never have peace until you receive the grace of God. You need God's amazing grace first, then you will have peace. You see, saints, because we have been saved by grace, we now have peace. You have received Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is our peace. That's what the scripture tells us. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, for he himself, Jesus Christ, is our peace. So Christians should never say, I have no peace. We should never say, I have no peace. Oh, I don't have a peace. I, don't, I just don't have this peace. Because if Christ is in a heart and peace is in a person, Jesus Christ, he's in a heart. We have Jesus, thus we have peace. We'll always have peace. And the only way Christ enters your heart is by what? Grace. So you see, so there's always grace and then peace. And this is something the world is looking for, but the problem is that they have lost peace. They have no peace, and they search for peace in all the wrong places. Their peace may depend on drugs. It may depend on people or person. It may be dependent on money or things. But peace is in the person, Jesus Christ. And it's through Christ that we have this peace, you and I, because of Jesus, the peace that surpasses all understanding, and we find that Philippians chapter 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. No one can understand it. All the intelligent minds in the world could be gathered in a room. They would not understand why you have this peace. Your world is falling apart. You lost your job. You're sick. You have family problems. Guess what? You have this peace. They would not understand it. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 2 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. 
There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. You'll find service times and more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you've benefited from hearing these messages and you'd like to partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again for another edition with Pastor Eddie, right here on Running the Race.